0: up rugby fans we're back with another episode after our one week break and i am joined by my partner in crime who's recovered from his man flu and almost being eaten by hippos Stigs how are we
1: yeah we're good exactly like you said a bit of man flu a bit of feeling sorry for myself but uh back in action now firing on all cylinders And like you mentioned, uh, yeah, I just got back from Botswana a couple of days in the bush, doing a bit of construction work for my dad's company. And uh, yeah, it was pretty wild. Living in a tent, no fences pretty much, hippos running past it at night, elephants as well. And yeah, it was quite an experience, but it was dope.
0: You would have been in your element and uh, glad to be back to civilization. Although the same way that in the bush you had no power, it looks like you've not got any power now anyways. Mate,
1: I had more power in the bush than I do in Cape Town, to be honest, which is absolutely mind-boggling.
0: Oh, it's nuts, It's not Now, Now, uh, obviously, last time we spoke, it was it was still during the domestic season, but that's wrapped up, and the international season is starting this weekend. This week, we're, we're going to preview what should be a very big week for the box. Now, the box team's been announced. That was announced this afternoon. Jean Klein making his de- debut LeBoc's going to be starting at 10, Dwayne Vermeulen captaining the team. Now, it's important to note, obviously, Steves, this isn't the best Boc team, but they're operating that same split squad system that they had in in 2019. Are there any strange calls or, or calls that you don't like in that team?
1: No, I think, to be honest, that's a, it's a really decent, um, in inverted commas, second string team. I think with regards to the matchup on this weekend, I mean... I'm sure we're going to get into it. We've got a new Australian side that isn't your your standard one over the past few years, you've got a new coach in. So it's going to be a very interesting game. Obviously we've, we've, we've got a side that could do it. Is it a side that we can sit back and, and say, oh, we definitely got this one in the bag. Absolutely not. Considering the team and the, the team we are playing against, but I think it's a, it's a really good example to see, how much depth we have in this in the Springbok side which is going to be very interesting going into the world cup i mean if we can notch a win off a what should be a very good uh new australian team with this team then i think we've got a lot of confidence going into next week with regards to new zealand and then obviously moving forward
0: i think it's definitely a team that could win but it's not necessarily a team that should win and i think a lot of south africans might have their expectations set too high Australia have never won in Pretoria. It's never happened. As an ever. It's just not happened. And I really don't want this weekend to be the weekend that it does happen. But there's there's a master plan there, as we always say, and Rusty we trust. There's there's a couple of calls there that are maybe small but but maybe ones I'm not fan of. The likes of a a Marvin Ory over an R. G. Sneyman. I think Sneaman's form has certainly been better towards the, the the end of the year and the other thing is obviously, in terms of RG Sneeman, he already has that partnership with Jean Klein at Munster. So having the two of them playing together might have been might have been quite nice. but then again the other side of that argument is are the the bot coaches trying to, make him fit for his usual role in terms of coming off the bench and 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 that's where they see him. So so are they training that? I also don't necessarily like the idea of Finn starting slotting straight in. I think somebody like a Dion Free might feel a little bit hard done by. And one of my concerns and Stegs, let me know if, if this is a concern for you, there's not an out and out fetcher in that starting 15. Because usually you've got Steven Kitzoff, you've got Malcolm Marks, you've got a Dion Free, maybe a Sia Khaleesi. Dwayne Fumilans a pretty good fetcher, but he's he's not necessarily somebody in the open side mold.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I knew you were uh, going to mention there the, the Dion Free. I um, 100% agree with you in the sense of need, needing more fetchers. Obviously, we have Dwayne Fumilan Dwayne Fumilan's a, a relentless fetcher over the, his whole career with the Springboks. Obviously, now he's sort of uh, getting a bit older. Will he be, you know, quick enough to get to all those breakdowns and get there in time? We'll have to see this weekend. But with regards to RG Snowman, I mean, yeah, I definitely more side on the argument of uh, the fact that he's going to be the one that's going to be on the bench next week against the All Blacks. And you don't necessarily want him playing almost a full game against Australia, obviously, like you say, sort of getting used to that role of, um, coming off the bench and slotting in there, uh, during those big games and that will more than likely be his role. So yeah, I think, I think this squad in essence is a lot of guys that aren't necessarily going to be those front runners and getting a lot of game time in those important games. So I think them the importance is getting getting them game time and, and game game ready test match ready now in the in the tournament. That yes, of course we do want to win it, but there is a much bigger tournament at play later this year. So I think um, it, it's going to be interesting. We, we, we've got guys that that you know if we really want to go all out to win this game, they should be starting. But yeah, I mean I I'd definitely say Dion Free in there as well, which would be quite uh quite quite something a, a really good strong change. But what's what's your thoughts? Do you think they they sending Yankees and, and gonna start him against the All Blacks or or what's your opinion on that?
0: Please no. Uh, look, I, know. I I don't think that that's the case. I think that Damian willemser will probably be their 10 option come next week. I think they see him as the second 10 after Pollard so he'll probably be the one that they they end up starting. And from honest, the balance of that backline is actually really nice in terms of Quibus Reinach, the speed that he's got, his, his distribution game. Similar story with, with Moni Lubbock. Andre Estesen and Lacania Um feels like a really well balanced midfield. Andre Estesen's really brought his game on leaps and bounds, playing with Harlequins. He used to be very much a, a running threat and, and a carrying threat, but now he's actually got a bit of a, a distribution game, putting people into holes and a bit of a kicking game too, which we maybe don't see as much from South African 12s. And then you've got that that back three of Kirtley Arntz, uh, Kane Kanan Moody and Vili LaRue, which has got two very or rather inexperienced wings and, and, and an old head in in Vili LaRue. Funnily enough, that's also going to be the... Uh, the Bulls back three next year with them having just announced that Billy LaRue signed. So that's a bit worrying for us Storms fans, but we'll we'll skip past that for now. But in short, I, I don't think that I don't think that Yankees starts next week. I think if Yankees gets game time next week, we're in trouble.
1: Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. I really do understand. Why you would go for Yankees? Um, you know, as a backup option, especially for this tournament. I mean, when Pollard's back, I, I don't think Yankees goes to the World Cup, but it, it it does make sense. You know, he's he's been with the team for the last few years. He was there for the last World Cup as well when they won it and that. So, uh, yeah, he, he he does make sense. Um, in in the sense of not you know having too many newcomers come to a World Cup years squad. So, yeah, but obviously we don't really want him getting a lot of game time, but we we're, we're just hope that Marnie Lubbock just absolutely is firing on all cylinders, is his usual self, is in good form. Then I think it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see who starts next week against the All Blacks.
0: I personally think that next week what would be really, really cool is having Marnie Lubbock starting at 10 with Fulhamster at 15. I know the box squad have named him as a 10, but I think that using that 10-15 axis that you've got at the Stormers, that relationship that's there, could be very, very cool to see. Then again, the relationship between Damian and Vili, 10-15, to 15, was really good last year. So it be interesting to see what what they decide to do going into that All Blacks game.
1: Yeah, I think I think Damian Willemse at 15 would be would be a really nice sort of moving forward in that. I mean, he's he's played against top quality teams in the in the Heineken Cup, the URC, and he's absolutely performed. I mean, the flair he brings to the game as well. He's solid under the high ball. He's got that speed, he's got that size as well and the and the hands, the 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 way he can distribute the ball is just absolutely amazing. You have him running at the line and, you know, getting that little chicken wing pass out the side, and then Colby running with the ball or mapimpi running with the ball is absolutely dangerous. Vili LaRue, I'm, I'm not too sure, you know, he's he's starting to come towards the end of his career. I think moving forward, having a guy like showing the confidence that you can put him in at 15, starting against these top tier sides, or, well, you know, sort of the, the games that we were really focused on, I think moving forward, you have a guy, Damien Willem, you know, 15 for many years to come rather than just relying on Vili LaRue the whole time.
0: I think, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, This, this talk of the reason that Vili's not retired is because he wants a hundred caps for the box. If, if he wants a hundred caps, he's, he's going to have to, he's going to have to be playing for at least another year after the world Cup because he's, he's not got enough to get him, there yet that's why he's he's actually signed with the bulls it's interesting that he's he's decided to do that because that that means that he he thinks he can still slot into the the box set up next year and i think there's a bit of an argument there for for him to to kind of maybe have this year be his swan song and see see the year off and, and then we've got young 15s and, and we build to, towards the the next world cup cycle
1: yeah i mean like like look at to be honest Billy larue has shown in, in his career he has shown feats of just absolute sorcery at the 15 positions so i mean look at if he's really playing for that 100 caps and he wants to get it at, at you know towards getting older and everything like that i mean he's got to perform you know you have a guy like Franz Stein, he he wanted one more world cup unfortunately injuries didn't allow it but I mean, you know that British and Irish Lions tour even last year, he, he played so well. So, I, I think, um, and you even have like a Ruan Pinar as well. You know, winning with the with the Cheaters in the Curry Cup this year, the way he was playing was just unreal. R- even why?
0: At like at 10. Why did we not call up Ruan Pinar to the box squad instead of Yankees? Yeah, I'll put him at Riddle ten. me this:
1: he can get a kick over. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting. You know, it's that, it's that, I mean, next year as well, it's going to be a lot of young players, you know, moving forward and everything. Now it's like a whole new cycle. They had 2023 in their minds and then next year is going to be a whole new goal setting and and everything. So it's going to be interesting for next year. But yeah, this year it's uh, right now, this week, Australia ahead. It's uh, yeah, crunch time.
0: And looking to that game, I said this to you when we were talking earlier in the week, I am concerned. There is there is real concern there for me in terms of Eddie Jones coaching that squad. If there's one man who can turn around a, a team in a, a few games, it's, it's definitely him. Despite the, the form he had with England, he is still also playing those mind games. He's talking about going for a, a 7-1 split and having one of their, their flankers be the wing cover and the ability for loose Wards to play in the back line of the centers. And to be honest, they've got, I think his name's Josh Kemeny, who played for the, the Aussie sevens until recently, who plays in the back row, but equally is fast enough to be a center or a wing. But that seems really dodgy to me in terms of seven-one. So surely they're not going to be doing that. But also he's, he's up to his old tricks. And it does make me really nervous because I think that I, they're not coming to mess around no
1: not at all they're they there to break that uh that streak for the Springboks, and they're there to win in pretoria you know obviously they've had i mean when was the last time australia won won the world cup 03 or no no no, no it was 1999 yeah. you know so it's uh they, that's been a long time since australia's won a world cup they lost the finals in 2015 you know against new zealand so i mean they they're really looking to to put a put a stamp on it they've they've got a much easier route to that final as well so you know you you could kind of say that in the world cup they're not going to show their best because they don't have to you know maybe in the semifinals you know if they face a team like like england or if they face an argentina or whatever in in the quarters you know they'll obviously have to lift their socks up a bit more but uh th- they could really keep their cards very close to their to their um chest and stuff you know and and just not show anything so it's yeah, I think I think Australia is such a dangerous team this year.
0: Now, the box have got six games between when we're recording this episode and the World Cup, including additional games against Argentina and the All Blacks. Those are being played Argentina away, All Blacks at Twickenham, and then a game against Wales. What's more important, do you think? Is it that winning momentum or is it creating more experience within the squad? Because there is an argument there to say that we've got enough experienced players.
1: I think I think, to be honest, if we're looking at um, performance based, getting that momentum, this tournament is that momentum. When we're playing all the, I mean, it's literally just before the World Cup. You don't want to be going, you know, full guns blazing, trying to win every single game by like 100 points. We've got some guys on there that need game time. They need the the game time in those games. And, um, you know, Amani Lubbock, especially, you know, guys like that. So I think it's more the case of really just obviously you you do want to win those games and you do want to be on a on a nice winning streak of, you know, no losses before the World Cup when you played the, all those games. But, yeah, I think personally the way I look at the team and especially some of the guys that could do with a good couple extra minutes and that, I think it's more... Not necessarily experimenting, but just getting some guys that aren't necessarily going to be you know starting the whole time, just getting them on the pitch that if there's an injury, they're not just you know coming off and or well, coming into the side, not having many minutes uh, the season and that you know. So yeah, that's that's sort of my opinion, especially going off how many injuries we've been facing recently. you know these guys need to be ready.
0: Absolutely. Now speaking of that Welsh team, we're delighted to be joined by the man with possibly the best mustache and mullet combo in all of world rugby. He's originally from Derb's, but is a current Wales and Dragons star, Bradley Roberts. Brad, how are you, bud?
2: How's it going, Scott? Uh, I would I would have to agree with the mullet and mustache, but the mullet's actually gone. Oh. <laughs> That's
0: it. Uh... That's quite something. You know what's really good is uh, Keeks who usually joins us is uh, the, what what I call the mulleted man. We had an agreement that if the stormers made the URC final, he'd have to shave a mullet into his head. And he's kept it. So I was feeling quite left out. Usually I do a, a bit of a beard, but I've got a mustache today because I, I thought that <laughs> I thought that I'd feel left out without without the combo. But you've you've made me feel more comfortable, Brad, which is yeah,
2: no. I think I think the mud will come back at some stage. It's just uh... Because oh, the end of season dinner, and I wanted to look a bit fresh and just cut it off for a bit. And I just got another trim now because I had a wedding on the weekend. So <laughs> I was it's like, looking... oh, one more time.
0: <laughs> it's looking good, man. And before yeah. we get into those slightly more serious questions, let's get that out the way. So what was the story behind the mullet? And actually, I, I watched an interview with you this week. I think it was actually from a few years ago where you, you were toying with the idea of getting rid of the mullet. So what, why did the mullet originally start being a thing?
2: Um, initially I decided to grow my hair up because my dad ended up actually passing away in 2019 and he, when he was like my, kind of my age, he grew his hair really long and I was like, I'll give it a crack, you know, and like, I started growing it out and then lockdown happened and he couldn't get a haircut. So it started, it worked out pretty well. And then I just grew it out from there. I had a buzz cut before that. And I just grew it, grew it and grew it and grew it and went through a rough patch. And then when I joined Ulster, it was like pretty, pretty long. Some of the early pictures from my Ulster from my Ulster days, you can see it's, my. when I got my debut, it was like wild. It was like all over the shop. Yeah, it was nuts. And then I just decided, oh, I'll shave a little bit of a mallet and I'll shave the sides a little bit and leave the, leave the rest. And I had a bit of a top knot and a bit of, it was long. Like, it was down to my shoulders. And then I was just like, I can't cut it all off without cutting a mullet first. So then I cut the mullet and literally left the back long. So it was like, my mullet was like a proper hillbilly redneck mullet for a while. And then kind of just refined it from there. It got shorter and shorter and shorter until like, it was just like, A tidy little thing at the back, not really too much going on, but yeah, I think it'll make a comeback at some stage. Like, I don't have a shortage of hair, so it it won't take me too long to grow on back. So, yeah, we'll see.
0: It makes you pretty easy to spot on the field, to be fair, in terms of you running about. It's uh, it's quite distinct. Look, now you started your rugby career playing in derbs and not necessarily for one of the big teams. I think you actually started for the Crusaders Mini team in, yeah. in, in Devon and then yeah. you played for for Colwyn Bay after high school I think you then made a return to South Africa to play for the Sharks at a junior level and then due to an injury whilst playing for rainy old boys you end up making your way into to the Elster team yeah what would you say is kind of the biggest challenge facing somebody who doesn't necessarily take the traditional route when it comes to becoming a professional rugby player because you've you've kind of been to, to a lot of different places and, and seen a lot of life before actually yeah. becoming a professional
2: yeah i think the biggest thing would just be perseverance really like it's sometimes when you're playing at that level it's hard to see how how it's going to happen really like and I, at the end of the day i was i was playing rugby because i just didn't really know what else i wanted to do like i was doing a degree in a business like a bcom with like IMM in, in south Africa. And I didn't really know what, I didn't want to work in an office. I didn't want to do anything like that. So that's why I went to Ireland in the first place was just to go play some rugby. Like I had kind of put rugby on the back as a bit off when I was in stillies and wanted to get back into it and carry on like playing, because I loved rugby and like, just cause it didn't happen when I was younger. didn't mean it wasn't going to happen when I got a bit older and a bit bigger. and i was always on the smaller side when i was younger i was like when i played for the sharks in 19 i was like 95 kgs and pretty like small but like i still had the same kind of game because i've always been quite powerful but it wasn't really as easy for me because i didn't have as much size like and once i filled out and like picked up a bit of weight and we're still able to play the same game, but I was now 105 kgs, I was a lot more effective. Yeah, Ulster saw something in me, so forever grateful for them for giving me a chance. Like, I don't think if it was if COVID never happened, I don't think I would have even been given a chance, really. Because during COVID, the squads had to be bigger, like, they needed more options. Because at any given moment, someone could be done for a close contact and then or an injury or something like that. And like for close contact back then, you were out for 14 days. So that's two games basically. And they need to be able to have someone there to fulfill their match day, like needs, as three hookers on a match day, not just the two guys playing, they needed a guy who's 24th man. So yeah, that was, I think perseverance is the big one, really. Like you just gotta keep working hard and keep, keep trying to play, trying to get better as a player, even when the support isn't there. To make you a better player you need to try and become a better player yourself and i think that's what made me into the player i am today really is i just carried on striving i carried on working hard in the gym i carried on trying to put a performance out every weekend and and luckily for me it 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 all turned out good so yeah
0: it definitely did and you've obviously had experience Having played for Ulster and then moving on to the Dragons, you've had experience in both the Irish and the Welsh setups and, and what that looks like. Ireland most would say have got the best rugby pathways in world rugby at the moment, maybe them in and France. What would you say that they're doing so well at the moment that's maybe setting them apart? Been any distinct differences between being at Ulster and being at the Dragons?
2: I think from from like I compare it to South Africa quite a lot. Is like they, they obviously they like to bring in guys that are Irish qualified from elsewhere. But like it, all the countries in in Europe would do that. Like Scotland's been doing it and and it's been paying dividends. They but also they really like their homegrown talent. You know, like they like the guys who are from Ulster. Like you look at the Ulster side, how many of those guys are from Northern Ireland or are from like Ireland in general, you know what I mean? Like I know they have a smaller pool to choose from, but a lot, most of their guys coming into the academy are all from Northern Ireland, you know? So I think compared, compared to South Africa where they, there's a lot of moving around of players like guys from province going to the sharks and sharks going to the lions and lions going to like the bulls, you know, there's a lot of moving around. And I think, if you if you look at the talent that like even Maya produced, I think the Sharks missed the trick. Like they've they, like they didn't invest in the guys that were that they had already and looked elsewhere.
0: Did you not have yeah, I think you had Tristan Tedder, the Dupree twins. You, yeah, you had you had some really, really big names that you you yeah. when you were younger. Yeah,
2: yeah. So like Tristan Tedder, James Hall. Um, they both just signed for Racing Metro awesome. at the moment. Yeah. So like, but compared to Wales, it's hard to say, because now I've come in like at a different stage in my kind of career, like I'm a bit older now, like I haven't come through the dragons pathway. So it's hard for me to kind of say, like, I know the dragons underage does really well, like, um, under 18s do well against other regions and, um, and they also, it, it's all met like boys of Gwent, like they all love to, it's the same. They like to bring in, I think Wales is in a big rebuilding phase at the moment. Like, I think it'll come right at some stage. It's just, Ireland were kind of in this place, like at the last World Cup and in the World Cup before that, you know, like they it takes time to rebuild, like to get yourself yourselves back to where where you, where you once were you know what i mean so it's like yeah we'll see i mean island's doing very well at the moment they're doing something right you know like it's it's a harsh environment out there like if they if they don't think they don't need you then you are gone and also money is the big thing you know like i just have a lot of money. Like you look at Lenso, like they just don't have, really have a budget. Like they can pay their players, whatever they think they're worth. And at the end of the day, at this level, that's what keeps the players the happiest is they don't have to worry about the financial side because they're being looked after and like they're being paid what they think they're worth. So they just like, they won't have any qualms about giving everything they have, you know, like, um, Not that I'm not saying that the like boys in Wales would do that, they'll probably have the same attitude, but it definitely helps players like, um, kind of be comfortable and be ready to just go out there and put their bodies on the line and that kind of thing, you know?
0: Yeah, I think one of the other things the Irish do quite well is do they not give you your tax back when you retire from your top earning years, which is yeah, quite interesting. And yeah, if if you look at a, a country like South Africa. The box squad at the moment is a prime example of that. The the number of players that are based outside of outside SA that, of, yeah. that, that that are playing for them. It would be interesting to see if South Africa would ever ever cotton on or any other kind of nations are cotton on to, to that because it's it's quite a clever way of yeah it, it is very play, clever like
2: and I think yeah like that's obviously at the end of the day like as a rugby player like you you we play it because we love to play rugby. But from a financial perspective, you have to kind of maximize your years, and like try and do as well as possible. And like in Ireland, it's uh, that's a huge incentive for them. You know what I mean? Like at the end of their playing years, like to get your tax back is an lump sum is like a great way to like keep their players one in Ireland, and yeah, just keep them happy after rugby, really. And like it's a, yeah, you
0: know, yes. Nah,
2: Interesting as yeah.
0: You've had a few caps, Wills, over the last few years. You most recently played in the Six Nations believed. You weren't named in that initial kind of rugby world cup squad. Have you spoken to Gats recently and has he said anything about what you need to do to get back in the mix and has he given you any work-ons or, or feedback?
2: To be honest with you, I haven't heard a peep, like it's pretty disappointing, but um yeah, like now Ken's out and they've brought in Sam Parry. Um, so, yeah, it's just disappointing for me, really. Like I haven't had any conversations with Gats. I know he's been busy and that kind of thing, but it would be nice to have a heads up. I mean, like I proved what I can do at that level against France. Like I I, I felt like I hadn't really been given a full full chance. And I got 30 minutes against France and I scored a try had a decent defended well like I had a good game so I was kind of hoping that like I would have at least got like a heads up that I wasn't going to make it because I felt pretty confident that I would and you know it's just it's just one of those things you know Disappointment's part of the game and I'm happy to be training with the Dragons and have more time at home with my missus and um yeah I just be living my life really it's like uh, being in there is in the Wales camp is nice but it's It's high stress environment all the time. And it's hard. I found it hard to switch off. Like you always just focused on the rugby, focused on the rugby, working hard. Like it's hard to like, you get like one day off and and you're supposed to like kind of unwind and it's, it's really tough. So it's not the end of the world for me, really. Like I, I would have loved to go to a world cup. Don't get me wrong, but I still have another chance. I'm like, 27 now so the next one I'll be 31 which is pretty much when you're getting to it you know what I mean so we'll see it's not it's not the end of the road for this World Cup either you know like they've got four guys in there now I'm pretty sure confident that like I'll definitely be the next one so they're in Switzerland now and they're training hard so you never know someone could go down and I could be getting a call soon so hopefully that's that's uh, keeping my hopes up
0: I was about to say that in terms of you, you, see injuries in World Cup years. They just happen.
2: Exactly. Ken exactly. Owens is a,
0: a prime example. I think they think he'll be fit come World Cup, but yeah. that that might might not come to fruition. And obviously, exactly. we we hope that you you end up making the squad because. I, I really enjoy watching new players is, yeah. is, is probably the main thing to say and you've previously said that you you wanted to be a hooker that played like a center which I found was <laughs> was was quite interesting. Yeah. Who were your biggest influences when you were younger and how has the role of hooker changed in the modern game because uh, you've you've previously said that you're a bit of a, a rugby nose so I'm I'm quite interested to to get your take on how being a hooker has changed specifically um, with the likes of your Dan Coles and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. become more running threats.
2: Yeah. To be honest with you, I never looked at, when I, when I watched rugby, I never watched it for the hookers. You know, I wanted to like, I wanted to play a different, I've always tried to play a, di- a different kind of game. You know, I'm not the guy who's like just going to run straight at a line all day. And But I, with the things I do, I think are more effective than running straight at a line all day. You know, like, I do all the things that a hooker can do. Like I defend well, I tackle well, I can jackal, but when I have ball in hand, I'm a, I'm a different kind of animal to deal with. Like growing up, this is going to be a funny one, but Rene Ranger, he was like, yeah. he was my guy. Like I used to, I used to like spunk classes at school just to watch the blues play. Cause the blues always end up playing on the Friday mornings in South Africa. So like I would, I'd would bunk my second class and go watch, the blues play, And, um, yeah, he was just, my he was just my favorite to watch. Cause like every time he got the ball, there, there was a chance that something would get, ha- would happen. Cause he was just so abrasive and yeah. like, he was just so explosive and like, he used to bump boys all the time and smoke guys and defense. So like, that's the kind of, as a rugby spectator, like that's just the kind of stuff you want to watch. You know what I mean? And then like, I, that's the stuff you want to be that's the stuff i strive to kind of do when i was playing as well like I love bumping boys and like putting in big shots and like that's what everyone tries to do but not not a lot of people are successful at, at it and i think i'm my explosiveness is something that like i can actually do that kind of stuff because like I, obviously i'm always punching above my weight in terms of not really size, uh weight but like height. and i'm always playing with boys that are much bigger than me so I mean, it's a lot harder at this level, but uh, yeah, it still happens on the odd occasion. And, you know, I end up getting bumps sometimes. It's just the nature of the beast, you know? I'm like, touche if they do it. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that's one of, the, one of the good things I reckon about the URC is the fact that you're not worrying about the, um, the super rugby early morning wake-ups. You can watch the games at, at, at a decent time, but exactly. at the same time, what I found myself doing is watching both super and urc so yeah that's it's probably the actually best of both it's, yeah it's the best of both worlds it's been great in terms of the world cup and 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 the upcoming year other than maybe wales who do you think is likely to win the world cup this year and who's maybe a dark horse that people aren't speaking about or one that you're kind of a bit wary of in terms of a couple of the other teams
2: I think it's going to be a good World Cup, genuinely, because obviously now they've done the new. Um, there's obviously the ruling about being able to play for different countries. Yeah, like Tonga is going to be strong, I think. Samoa is going to be decent. Fiji, obviously, I think Fiji are can be like unbelievably good if they get the right coaches in and they get their setups right because uh, they've obviously got the, the talent. Like, you look at yeah. their team, they got, like, Semi-Rodraja, Tui Sova, like, guys that are just freaks, you know, and they, they can just make it happen at any given moment. So, I mean, I think I'm, it's going to be close. I don't know. I, I, I don't know about New Zealand, to be fair. Like, everyone seems to have always, of recent times, not back then, but obviously they're always a good team. So... They could they could win it? It's between France and Ireland for me, really. Like France are playing some really good stuff. I know Ireland beat them pretty well, convincingly in the Six Nations, but the Ireland's I think Ireland are going into it pretty much as favorites, I think, because of the performances they've been putting in over the last year and over the last six nations. I mean, we're in the Grand Slam pretty easily in the end. Like they just they're playing some really good stuff, and actually, and it's very enjoyable to watch them as well. You know, like everyone has their own brand now, which is, which is the best part. Not no one's just con, uh, like confined to the traditional norms of international rugby. Like they're just all breaking out the box, and everyone's, and like it's making it a lot more interesting to watch. You know, like South Africa has to adapt to try and play against Ireland, uh, who are playing a more like high speed fast game moving the ball with accuracy and they have to adjust to that and try and and not fall into their game and try and enforce their game onto the game if you know what i mean but Ireland are so good at that pulling you into a trap of playing their game um, the game they want you to play so yeah i think it's going to be an exciting world cup really like there's a lot of a lot of underdogs. I think there could be a lot of upsets. Games that you think you might win easily, it's not going to be that easy anymore. I mean, look at Wales against Georgia this last autumn. I mean, like, no one would have thought Georgia would have beaten Wales, but it happened, you know? And in a World Cup, the stakes are higher, the pressure's higher. On, on teams like Georgia and Fiji and those kind of teams, the pressure's not as high as it is on Wales and the rest of the top tier one nations, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think one thing I would say is there's a lot of chat around Ireland peaking too soon again, but previous years, Ireland did peak too soon or, or yeah. maybe didn't go into it as hard as they, they should have. But this year, they, there's, there's a different feel about yeah. that squad. There's something there that they they just seem so composed. I, I think the Tonga point is massive in terms of the players that they're going to have playing yeah. for them. Yeah, it should be, be quite cool to... Yeah. to to see what happens yeah in terms of kind of your your life in wales how how has how's life changed since you left south africa what what would you say is the biggest adjustment that you've had to make living abroad and what's the what's the surf like down in newport because Mm -hmm. I, i know you you enjoy a surf but i'm not sure if the uh the surf's all too good
2: no um the biggest adjustment well i mean one thing for sure it's like i'm definitely living a much better lifestyle like i mean like i was tired of living in rugby houses and that kind of thing because obviously i've done that you know throughout the years i've I've lived in houses with other rugby players and that aren't like homes and I, like the i'm living with my girlfriend at the minute so we've got a nice little apartment down the bay and it's kind of strange because I've never really had my like own place, you know, like, so it's, that's the biggest adjustment. Was like coming, like actually living, like uh, I'm in the real world now, you know what I mean? Like I'm looking at buying a house, like I'm doing all these other things that I never really thought I'd be in a position to be able to do, you know what I mean? Cause I only got my first cap when I was 24. I didn't really have much, well first cap for Ulster arms didn't really have much to my name like i was just like living day by day like obviously the the club rugby in ireland i was hardly getting anything from that like working in a coffee shop and just living by my means kind of thing it's kind of good to like put it in perspective like where you where you were like three years ago and where you thought you'd be when you were when you were this age and compared to where you actually are and thankfully i'm in a much better place than I thought I would be. So yeah, it's good. Like I'm, I'm happy in Cardiff. It's lovely. Like the, the the biggest thing, the biggest difference between here and Ireland is, and, and when I was playing for Ulster, like all the boys lived in Belfast, you know, like everyone was close. like, if you wanted to go for breakfast or a coffee or something like that, there would always be someone you could go with. Whereas here, like now moving to Cardiff, it's it's a lot easier for me, but because there's, guys, there's a lot more guys in Cardiff, but obviously, and was in Newport, but they've all got families and like they've got other commitments and kids and that kind of thing. So it was harder to make plans with those kind of guys. But yeah, there's guys that live like, past swansea there's guys who live in the valley there's guys who live in cardiff there's guys who live in newport so this it's just it's harder to kind of do that kind of thing you have to kind of plan in advance like you have to say the day before oh we're we gonna go for lunch tomorrow and then you go for lunch you know what i mean that was the biggest adjustment for me moving over here was not having kind of my teammates and mates just like within a phone call away and 15 minutes at a coffee shop having a coffee with them so it's like that was the biggest adjustment. And in terms of surf, I mean, apparently there's good waves in Wales. I, I've I've been in contact with a, a guy body bodyboards, and he said to me, "I'll oh, come out. It's going to be decent." And I'm just not well as well equipped for that. I don't have a wetsuit. I have a little like like epoxy soft surfboard that I bought just for the wave because I go to the wave in Bristol quite a lot. Because when I was in Newport, it was half an hour from my house. In the summer, obviously, you are you're keen for a wave, like just head down there and you've got guaranteed waves. Not that I surf very well, but I mean I love surfing, so it's nice to just get out and get in the water. And but I, I think I will, I mean, test the waters a little bit. It's cold and obviously the waves are only happen really in winter. So and also the tides here yeah, are fickle. So like in South Africa, the tide doesn't change that much. Here, the tide changes drastically. So that's the biggest thing. Like a wave could be happening on the full high tide for like half an hour, and then the wave's gone because the tide's gone. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's it's different. But yeah, I re- I really enjoy living down here. I'm not gonna lie. It's like, like the boys are good fun, and uh, yeah, it's me and my missus get on very well. So <laughs>
0: you're 27, and we've we've seen a trend of players going until they're almost 40 now, which is great. Mm do you see yourself as as staying in rugby and maybe picking up the co- coach's clipboard when you retire? Do you have other plans? Cause I know you said earlier, you don't see yourself as somebody who maybe sits in a corporate or an office mm. environment.
2: I mean, I think I could, like, obviously I've started five years after everyone else started. So um, hopefully I'll finish five years after everyone else finishes, but that's the plan at least. I'm just going to keep on rolling on and, We'll see where it takes me. Like this is my last year with the Dragons. So I've got, we'll see what they have to offer and we'll see what else is on offer really. Cause like if the Wales thing isn't going to happen, like they've, they've pretty much made their like stance pretty clear to me at the moment. Like they'd not, they've had a look at, in my eyes, they've had a look at me. I thought I went well, they obviously had a different idea and then that's the reason why they didn't pick me so yeah we'll see where it takes me like obviously uh, the, the big thing is i give up playing for wales if i if i do leave which is big so it's something i'm gonna have to take into consideration and then coaching i i do i could see myself as a coach i've got a I've got a lot of work to do if i i i'm not that vocal in in the dragon setup like i just like to get about my business and but I, I suppose I still I, I think my knowledge of rugby is very good. Like and I, I, the way I see the game is good, and I, I could be a potentially a good coach. Um, it's just, it's just about like building up your repertoire. You know what I mean? And it's like also you have to. Now is the time to learn. You know, like you can pick the brains of the coaches you have. You know to like become learn ways of coaching and also just like become a more like well-rounded rugby individual, you know, like they know, they, they see things that you don't. And it's kind of learning how to pick up the little nuances that like of the coaching side of things. And I, I think it really starts with like, go just going out and coaching like an under 18s team or something like that. And just, you start from there and then you just build and build and build. And hopefully when time comes to like hang up your boots you've got a good base and you feel like you're confident enough to go into an environment, you know?
0: Yeah, sounds sounds like uh, you've got quite a few years of, of rugby yeah. left. Definitely. So that, that, that's exciting. But the other thing is, it'll really be exciting to see what happens, obviously, after this year. Do you stay with the Dragons or do, do you go elsewhere? Because obviously there's uh, being a rugby player at the moment. The one thing is it's a bit of an uncertain time. I feel for a lot of rugby players, but with that uncertainty, there's also a bit of opportunity to play in so many different places, which which could be quite cool. Now, Brad, we like to end on a a bit of a quick fire round. So whatever comes to your head first, shoot. So best player you've played with or against?
2: Well, it's going to have to be like Ches and Colby when I played against the Springboks because I know. I like. I don't know if he played against the Springboks when, or, or played for the Springboks when I played uh, against them, but, yeah, he's probably one of the best guys.
0: Who's the best crack or the loosest guy on the night out
2: Party Marty Moore um, <laughs> from Ulster. Nice. <Right. laughs>
0: and uh, Scrum or line-out?
2: That's a tough one. <laughs> probably line-out.
0: Do you have any pre-match rituals? Are you superstitious at all?
2: No, I'm so chill. I don't do anything before game. I just rock up and put the boots on and get out there.
0: No Taylor Swift, no 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 music no. No.
2: no music. I like a bit of like dubstep and like drum and bass. It gets me pretty psyched. So.
0: And what would you say is the best game of your career? And this doesn't have to be a professional game. It might be a lot of folk are like actually my under 18 game against whoever was was the best uh, one for me
2: yeah probably my you're quite right under my high school game uh Michael class um uh, college scored a hat-trick and we just lost to the end but i think that was my the best game i played
0: right you've been a sick guest mate thank you so much for your time I want to wish you all the best for, for obviously this year hopefully we do end up seeing you play in the in the world cup but obviously that's not a barometer of the player that you are you've, you've you've had a great career so far and i can't wait to see what happens and, and where you go we'll certainly be uh cheering you on from the sidelines
2: thanks very much Scott. thanks for having me on it's been great cheers there
0: uh... steaks the big news this week is the new global competition set to start in 2026 so no time soon but that will be happening in the existing july and november international rugby windows it's going to include the six nations teams the current rugby champs teams and two invitational teams, which I suspect will be the likes of Japan, Fiji, Samoa, Tonga. It's going to be ring-fenced. So you're not going to have anybody allowed into that tournament until 2030 and will only happen when the World Cup or the Lyon series are not on. So you're talking two times out a very, very, four-year cycle. What are your thoughts on, on the tournament? And do we think it takes a bit of a shine away from, from the Rugby World Cup? Because actually if we're thinking about it, that's kind of got the top 10 teams in the world. It's highly unlikely one of those teams is not going to win the World Cup.
1: Yeah, I I, I think it's a bit of bullshit, to be honest, man. Like, it really is that, I mean, you look at all the comments on the post just saying how it's just really not a good idea, you know. It, It takes that element of a full international, all these top teams tournament like the World Cup, where you're seeing all these teams playing each other, there's the draw, so you don't know who's going to play who. And then right at the end, it's the final game. You know, it's it's everything um in the World Cup, as opposed to a tournament like that where it's going to be pool stages or whatever, or a round robin. I don't know how they, they would structure it in that, but maybe it's a case of in that tournament, if you win, you truly are the world's best, you know. But then, obviously, the World Cup is there's only a handful of games. There's a lot of strategy from the coaching as well. It's a whole build up to this momentous occasion that that's once a year. So I think it does take a bit away from the World Cup because obviously you you know you're getting those. Everyone's going to be playing everyone all the time, so you're losing that it that it factor about those teams that don't always play each other you know so i think that's going to be interesting but it, it, it i mean it'll never be the world cup you know and all the strategy that needs to take place to to win a world cup and the building to win a world cup you know it's it's going to be in the middle where teams are still building and that you know
0: yeah i think it'll be quite interesting to see what happens and i think there's big asterisks next to it in terms of the structure being quite important because that structure and how that's planned out and who plays who away who plays who at home that'll that'll be because one of the big things about the World Cup is it's one location that everybody's playing at whereas these will probably be home and away games and you'll you'll have some games being played in June and then the tournament being decided in like August September so the teams that the, the same team that you've got playing in June might not be the same team that ends up playing five months later so we'll' We'll see what happens with that, but uh, I'm 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 unsure about it. If I'm completely honest, I also think my other issue with it is if it's ring fence, you've not got promotion and releg- relegation. What happens to the teams like Georgia? Team like Georgia that's been playing so well that yeah. then doesn't get competition against high level opponents. Look at what the Georgian under twenties have done this World Cup, almost beating South Africa going on to be Italy and Argentina, I think that we'll we'll be disadvantaging the 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 smaller rugby nations or the less developed rugby nations if if something like this happens. So there needs to be something done to to address them.
1: Yeah I I think to be honest that's it's it's probably got a lot to do with New Zealand and Australia and um you know all these talks about South Africa joining the Six Nations and that. Which I'm all down for that, to be honest. <laughs> but um, I think it's honestly just one of those things where the Super Rugby just has not made nearly as much money. There's not as much coverage about the Super Rugby. It's lost its flair, and they they aren't playing as many um, you know competitive teams across the world as opposed to just playing Australia, New Zealand, a couple of Fiji teams. So it's um, yeah, I, I think that that has a pretty heavy hand in it. But it's uh yeah, like you say, it, I'm I'm on the fence, but I'm leaning more towards I don't know about it. It's it's I'm just not too confident in the idea.
0: We'll uh, we'll see what happens with that. It'll it'll certainly be interesting. Now looking to this weekend. Speaking of Australia and the All Blacks, your predictions for this weekend: Steaks South Africa versus Australia. I suspect I know who you're picking for this.
1: Yeah, just just it's you can call us the Springbok. Uh, well, we are the Saffa Pod. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I'm going to go with the Springboks, but it is a very, very not sure, very nervous about this game, pretty much like the the Stormers final as well. So, yeah.
0: I'm more nervous about this game than I am for the All Blacks game. 100%. I don't, I don't know why. Um, but yeah, I, I think South Africa will win it, but I think it'll be marginal. I think it could be quite a tight game. All Blacks via Argentina. All Blacks playing in, I... over in Argentina maybe I, 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 the squad system
1: yeah i think i think um all blacks take them and they're just too quality i think argentina will definitely start off really good i think argentina probably score early but you know that that all blacks team is just dangerous and and they have been sort of rebuilding that they, they had a Pretty, you know, not their usual years recently and that. So they also got a lot to play for. And, um, you know, you can never just rule out the All Blacks whatsoever.
0: Absolutely not. The other thing to note is obviously Jason Ryan got pulled into Ford's coach of the, the All Blacks got pulled in when they sacked two of their coaches. He's had a massive impact there. He made a massive impact in a few weeks. What's he going to have done with a few months, if not a year's preparation? So it'll be, be interesting to see the, the beast that is the All Blacks come, come next week. That's all the time we've got for this week, though. Thanks for joining us for another episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Go check us out on the socials and give us a follow. We'll be back next week to review the first game of the season for the box. But until then, I'll see you soon.